Blog Talk Radio. Ghost dog. What? Ghost dog. Ghost dog? He said ghost dog. Yeah, he calls himself ghost dog. I don't know, a lot of these black guys today, these gangster type guys, they all got names like that they make up for themselves. Is that true? Sure. He means like the rappers. You know, the rappers, they all got names like that. Snoop Doggy Dog, Ice Cube, Q-Tip, Method Man. My favorite was always Flavor Flay from Public Enemy. He got the funky, fresh flyer flavor. Live lyrics from the bank of reality. I kicked the flyer through, but knew the technicality. Do a dope track. I love that guy. I don't know anything about that. But it makes me think about Indians. You know, they got names like uh, Red Cloud, Crazy Horse, Running Bear, Black Elk. Mm. <laughs> that kind of shit. Yeah, Indians, niggas, same thing. You're traveling to another radio show. A broadcast not only of sight and sound, but of mind, mind. A journey into the wondrous land whose boundaries are that of the imagination. imagination. That's the on-air sign up ahead. Your next stop, Afro Nerd Radio. With your guides, Dee Bird, Captain Kirk, and on Grindhouse Saturdays, the uncanny Daryl B. And introducing West Coast correspondent, Miss Claire Linnae. Mind expansion engaged. of Afro Nerd featuring Captain Kirk. The call-in number, you should know it by now, 646-915-9620, 646-915-9620. You know, we had a show a few days ago to remind you. It's called The Grindhouse, another faction of the Afro Nerd radio machine featuring yours truly and, of course, Captain Kirk with the doppelgangers, the doppelganger twins, that makes any sense. <laughs> uh, Claire Linnae and, of course, Daryl B. And because of what had transpired last week, we touched on it a little bit, but because the Grindhouse really is a different kind of show, we really try to keep things upbeat as well as informative. And mostly it's geared towards pop culture, comic books, video gaming, blurred culture, nerds of color, and so forth. We really could not dig into this, this, these respective tragedies the way we would like to. So today is the day we're going to dig in. We would advise our listenership to please call in, uh, give us your thoughts, 
we're sure enough going to give you our thoughts, our impressions of what has happened. Uh, again, if you haven't been living under a rock, we're talking about the two deaths, one from Baton Rouge, Louisiana, which is, which is of course, Alton Sterling, and then we have young master Philandro Castile in Minnesota. Uh, then, of course, we have five, well, actually, 11 people wounded or 11 people shot, five people dead. Those would be the Dallas police officers. So we've, we've got to talk about this, put it into some kind of context, and we will unpack the way that we always unpack. We want to give it to you in an honest way. No spin. We don't have a spin zone here at Afro Radio. Anyway, going to a quick groove, and then when we get back, we do what we always do. This is Quentin Harris featuring Monique Bingham, Poor People, giving you the very best of black rock and roll, psychedelic soul, progressive hip-hop, urban alternative, and Afro-punk. We'll be right back.
tonight, just to taste, once again, the great Quentin Harris, Poor People. And as a reminder, folks, always 646-915-9620. Let's just get into it. Captain, that is Captain Kirk, you're needed on the holodeck. Let's get to it. Space, the final frontier. These are the voyages of the Starship Enterprise. Its continuing mission to explore strange new worlds, to seek out new life and new civilizations, to boldly go where no one has gone before. Shall we begin, sir? Certainly. Let's do it. All right, folks, um, as I had stated at the top of the show, we had our weekly Grindhouse broadcast, and we will have it again this forthcoming Saturday at 6 p.m., of course, with the your podcast, not the, but your podcast, Fantastic Four, Doom Patrol, Challenges of the Unknown, <laughs> whatever, whatever, uh, Lost in Space Crew, whatever euphemism you'd like to use, that's who we are uh, when it comes down to pop culture. Anyway, um, I, I had somewhat of a difficult, uh, momentarily, a difficult time actually getting into the show because it was a pretty heavy deal last week, pretty heavy ordeal. We saw two rather, well, I, I would say, I can't see you, you, you. I saw two rather graphic depictions of death via via the cyberspace, cyberspace via cyber, the interwebs or whatever uh, you'd like to say uh, as far as the Internet. I did not really see much of the Dallas shooting, but I did hear about it. And I don't know if it's even that easy to, 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 to look at this stuff, I mean, as far as actually accessing it. I heard that there were some pretty horrific things, um, some, some, some headshots and so forth. I mean, I don't want to get into too much graphic detail, but the, the, the person that did the killing in Dallas with the police, you know, he was a, he was a trained soldier. So he was able to pretty much outwit these folks. And, and again, he, he decided, decided to do this purportedly as a revenge-style killing because of, of the past two killings from last week. So he was a skilled, skilled marksman, skilled sh- soldier, and these, these gentlemen did not know what was coming up uh, upon them. Now, this is also during a Black Lives Matter peace rally, and the police were there to keep things in order and to, to, to essentially protect the protesters. And I believe there was some uh, collateral damage with even some of the folks that were there that were not, obviously, the police. This person... Micah, I believe is the gentleman's name, his intent from his own words was to kill white police officers. But there were some folks uh, of varied hues, I think some black people that were hurting this thing too, in this melee. Anyway, um, I wanted to, to, to kind of open things up and give you my impressions. I'm sure the captain has his impressions as well. I have a lot of clips, uh, my own 
appearance on the Armstrong Williams show as a caller, and uh, I will get into that as well. We're trying to give you some information, some impressions, our own impressions, and 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 actually, I can't I can't not be honest. So I'm going I'm going to give you what I really feel about some of this stuff. But before I even get into it, I, I wanted to pass the mic to the captain, and, and I'm 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 eager to hear how he perceives this. Um, and then I want to also talk about a project that we're developing that I think has been a long time coming. Coming, pardon me. And to to dovetail off of Brexit, the portmanteau or the Franken word Brexit, British exit. There was a word that went viral for like a second, which is part of our problem. We have a good idea, and it's not. The, vir- the vir- virality of it is not lasting. But if there is a Brexit, maybe folks of color should consider a Blexit, a black exit. And I mean that metaphorically uh, and metaphysically, and for some, even physically. But we'll get into that in a moment. Blexit stage right, or ble- let me be more clear BlexitStageRight.com or Blexit Strategy. Those two domains have been saved. But I think I'm leaning toward Blexit Strategy. Anyway, Captain, uh, give us in your inimitable wisdom your impressions of what we're dealing with here, the reactions of people multiracially, and, and just just give, give me your thoughts. And uh, I got some stuff to do behind the scenes by, while you're talking, by the way. So... Give us your thoughts, your honesty. All right. I'm going to talk about this in its totality. But before I do that, let's give the audience a little bit of information. And this is from a website called Think Progress. This is about police. Just to update you, a little information. In the first half of 2016, police have killed 532 people many of whom were unarmed, mentally ill, and people of color. Now, here's some other information. Just don't don't hold that there. There's more. There's more here. This is going to balance out. These numbers come from the Guardian's Police Killings Database. Killed by police database counts 580 people. That's a different database. Who have died at the hands of police so far this year. The Washington Post also reports that 488 people have been shot and killed by cops. So you have different accounts here. Going by the Guardian's account, 261 white people, let me repeat that, going by the Guardian's account, and this comes from a website called Think Progress, going by the Guardian's account, 261 white people were killed by the police the highest total out of any racial group. But the data also shows that black people and Native Americans are being killed at the higher rates than any other group. A little bit more information. February and March were the deadliest months this year, with 99 people killed by police in each month. In June, the police killed 86 people, all of whom were fatally shot. Now, one of the reasons why 
you don't hear more directly about this on MSNBC, Fox News, CNN, is because they don't want to paint the police in a bad light. Because then after that, you go to Homeland Security. Then from there, you can go to FBI. You can go to CIA. And if you keep going that far, it goes all the way back up to who? You know what I always talk about. So you have to give out this information in like a nebulous, vague type of way. You can find it, but you have to be savvy. You have to be going with intent to find out what's going on. Now, I said I will talk about this in totality. We don't have what they call a big-level race war as of yet. The captain originally said when he first started on the show with Afro-Nerd that America and also Europe, wherever there's multiculturalism, eventually you'll have not tactical, strategic, strategic, right now it's tactical level, strategic race war. We're not there as of yet. We're not there as of yet. Given these circumstances and things are happening, you know, this is just one person shoots this person, five people die over here. Eventually, based on the science I've been applying to the situation, you'll get it where it's 1,000 people, you know, 100,000 in a month. That, that's race war. You understand? That's real race war. That's at the macrocosmic level. This is at the microcosmic, what's happening now. Now, there's some people in this country that do want race war. They say some of the rednecks, you know, KKK, you know, some other strong black nationalists. but well, not really. Black nationalists, for most part, they're responding to what's happening on the other side, depending on who you're talking about. But really, really, I don't think the black nationalists want any race war. They want to be left alone and do what they do. But some people will say black nationalists, that's what they want. Some people will say that. I'm not saying that. Some people will say that. So how do you get full-blown blown race war in this country? Well, we just have to look at the prison system. I said this before. Why is it when individuals go to prison, blacks go with blacks, whites go with white, Latin people go with Latin people, Christians go on one side, Muslims go on the other, Asians go over here? Because the prison population, the wardens, or whoever's setting it up even higher than that, realize when you introduce a stressor in a multiculturalism society, and the stressor is prison, you will rip out each other's throats. You see, multiculturalism can work as long as that trough that everyone is drinking from is big. You shrink the trough, we start attacking each other. Why? Because it's what humans do. Let me explain. Humans, by their nature, are clicky. I said this before. And you gravitate, as Peru, you gravitate towards what's familiar. That's what you do. All right? You're very tribal by your nature, embedded in your DNA, embedded in your DNA, as Peru. This can be, there can be exceptions, but that's what you do. The reason why a lot of times blacks and also whites, put this in there, and anyone else, if a black person shoots a white person, white people react a certain way. They just don't say it's a death. Why? I gave you this information. I gave you the science already. How do you do your decisions? You do them emotionally. So there's more emotion on that end. So you react a certain way. It's not just another death. 
That's based on science. That's not my science. You can look up that. You know, reptilian brain and all the other type. You can look that up. That's not me. I told you that. So this is just what humans do. That's their nature. You understand? As Peru, there's a lot of exceptions, but as Peru. And if you look throughout history, history says you can't have multiculturalism for a time. But after a period of time, you're at each other's throat. What is the situation that causes us to get at our throat at a very high level where we want to kill each other? You have to introduce a stressor. You have to introduce a stressor. So let's, let's talk about it at the high level, a stressor here in America. As you can see, the way the energy is, the blacks really don't like the whites. The whites don't really like black. Whites don't really like anybody. We can usually say based on the history. The white slash European. Everywhere they went, they dominated, took over, and made people a derivative of themselves or an aspect somehow, you know, by injecting their male penis into the women of that race. That's what they do, you know. They're like an invading virus. But you don't actually become them. You become a derivative if you're lucky. <laughs> if you're too dark, you're never actually them. So there you go, dominant force. So... When you, when you begin to look at this in totality, and getting back to the point before, in totality, how do you get an all-out race war? So let, let's, let's war game it, right? Let's put a couple of things. Yellowstone blows for some miraculous reason. We already have the situation that we have right now. You have non-nuclear winter in here. The trough has just totally dried up. You see, you can't have true race war when you, black man, or the white man, gets up and goes to work. And he can buy his Jordans. He can buy his new car. You understand? You shrug off these things. Yeah, it bothers you, and the mimetic space begins to change gradually. It gets a little bit worse. And the energy is easier to put you over. But you're not there. Something like Yellowstone blows, and you're fighting for food? That's it. We slaughter each other. Let's go further. Madrid fault line drops miraculously. We're at each other's throats. Let's do this one. United States goes to war with Russia for some very strange reason. Russia realizes they cannot fight the United States in a symmetrical war, so they go asymmetrical. They drop the rock over Canary Islands. The United States is inundated with a tsunami. If Hillary's the president... Based on her original diktat, she's following the Rothschild bankers who want multiculturalism. But there's also a schism between, you know, these powerful families. So you never know. She might not listen now. But let's just say she does. She lets in loads of Mexicans. She lets in more Muslims. Right? Donald Trump wants to go the other way. What do you think, what do you think begins to happen at a given point? We have all these different cultures here. Everyone starts to vie for position. You're vying for position. Liberal whites get slaughtered. Liberal blacks get slaughtered. Right? <laughs> this, is what, this is what will happen. You know, you can't get food. You can't get water. The government is trying to put down, you know, everything, trying to put down the, all this type of madness that's going on. NATO will run into a problem because the United States has to deal with their own problem. See, it begins to get crazy. So these are the things that have to happen in order for you to get all-out race war in this country. At this given point. Now here's the other way going with it. The long way. Let's say 20 years down the line. 
the mimetic virus keeps growing. You can have an all-out race war at that given point. You know, let's say certain things happen. Like, let's say the new Black Panther Party, they go to, you know, some convention. You know, the bikers, a bunch of bikers roll up there at the convention. You know, uh, Black Lives Matter goes to the convention. And then somebody at the top gets a nice idea and says, uh, let's shoot people on both sides. I know it's saying a bit conspiratorial, but then you go, boom. You have all-out war at the convention. That builds a more, that builds a stronger meme. But even with that happening, and let's say maybe 300 people die, you still will not have race war at the macrocosmic level because you are still getting up, going to work, people. You still can buy a new car. You understand? You can still buy your Jordans. You can still have your two girlfriends. You can still go on your vacations. You see? That has to eliminate first. Then it will be on and popping in here. Now, remember, Donald Trump, what he wants to do, Donald Trump wants to kick out, seems like, illegal immigrants, doesn't want Muslims coming here. So if Donald Trump is the president and something like that happens, in my mind, less white people will die. A lot of them still going to die, but less will die. You put Hillary Clinton in there, it's going to be a massacre. So choose Hillary Clinton. You know, choose Hillary Clinton, people, if this type of situation goes down. I'm forecasting. I'm actually playing a game here. I always talk about two timelines. I'm playing a game here. I'm not really telling you what's coming, but I'm hinting at it. Choose Hillary Clinton. Then, you know, redneck starts going crazy, you know, and then we can build this thing up here, and it gets a very volatile. It gets insidious. It gets heinous. Body counts are dying, going up, going up, going up, going up. People are just dying left and right. But the point is, in order to have all-out race war, all-out race war, you need some type of situation introduce a stressor. Then you can quantum superimpose the prison situation on the reality because that's what it will be at that given point because you're trying to survive. So a stressor that makes the American people where they have to survive. Then we can set up a wall, you know, and probably somewhere from a middle America across, and you keep all the people on this side. You know, they get crazy. It's like the movies, you know. So at this given point, this is not the case. But America does have a problem. And as I said before, what did I say before? Let's see who's paying attention. That's a rhetorical question, by the way. Let's see who's paying attention. When you put all these cultures together, self-importance, the mirroring of reality, in mathematics, what do they call it? Mirror symmetry. What do philosophers say? Philosophers say, what you live by, you die by. And no one really sees reality. 99.999% you can't see reality. You're too full of yourself to see reality. So you see reality through your lens of self-importance. Everyone wants, starts to jockey for position. When you start to have that atmosphere and a stressor is introduced, it's going to go down. It's just a matter of time. So anywhere where you see heavy multiculturalism, I'm not talking about where they have one race here and another race here. Because actually in America, if it was a two-race place, you have the blacks on one side and the whites on the other side, and you slit the throat of the bankers, you take all that money and you build up you know, the different communities, you, know, you wouldn't really have too much problem. The problem is you're not taking any money from them, and you got everyone here, and then you introduce a stressor. Reason being, this is what humans do. It's all throughout your history. Multiculturalism can work, 
But if you shrink that trough, we see it in prison. That's why they separate them in prison. I'm not making this up. And you just have to look in your history. can work for years. can work for decades. You know? can work for generations. Then all of a sudden, for apparently no reason, we're at each other's throat. So right now, it's microcosmic race war, which is easily put down. But as the meme grows, and God forbid, if there's a disaster, we're going to have a serious problem here in America. Remember, I'm telling you now, 7-13-2016, okay? But even without a disaster, slowly but surely, the mimetic virus is going to grow in respect to that. That's just the nature of the science with this. And that's all I'm really going to say at this given point in respect to that. Let's play some clips. Let's let's do all of that after another. Let's do it. All right. Um, quickly, once again, as a reminder to the audience, this is the Midweek in Review edition of Afro Nerd featuring Captain Kirk. Um, we're going to try a, another attempt this Saturday for the Grindhouse to get the CEO of Vortex Inc. to come through. She's calling in either from Nigeria or from London and there's a special way that she has to be contacted through our system, so we're going to try to do this digitally again. She's desperate to get on our show. We're desperate to have her on our show, so it should be pretty um, interesting. Um, Bamadele, I believe is her name. She will correct me because I'm pretty sure I, I screwed it up. But anyway, um, folks, we're, we're talking about what many in the media are perceiving to be the early or, or nascent stage of a race war. Um, even the New York Post was quickly critiqued for their cover story a few days ago after the, the deaths of those officers in Dallas, Texas, where it said simply, civil war. And I think either it was the Post again or maybe another outlet that showed a full frontal of a dying, if not deceased, Alton Sterling sprawled out with a wound in his chest. Pretty grisly stuff. Um, I had to think very heavily about about how I was going to approach this topic because obviously we're talking about a, a type of interconnectedness between the deaths from last week of the Af- African-American young men as, as a catalyst, potentially, for the equally grisly deaths of the, the, the Dallas police officers, who, mind you, specifically were not the police officers that were involved in anything that we are aware of as far as police malfeasance. So that's what makes this even more troubling. These were indiscriminate deaths. So... As I was thinking about this topic, I had to go in deep, do some research, and one thing we we try to do on our show is really give you not not only an alternative view, but we also try to give you facts. We, we try to keep it closer to the cuff and not just spat off from the top of our domes without giving you any anything to really. We, we try to give you gristle where you gristle, pardon me, where you could easily go to go to. Uh, a source and confirm it when the captain quote unquote spouts off and speaks in metaphysical tones 
you can look it up. When he mentions terms like fiat money, fiat money, it's a real term. Spookism, real terms. So I did my research, and the captain, great minds think alike, he started pulling out statistics and facts about who is, who is actually dying at the hands of police. And I'm going to tell you, frankly, a lot of this, we can talk about multiculturalism, and that I'm not really disputing that. But I'm saying for the immediacy of what's going on right now, this is social media and conventional media trying to survive its last breath. What is AfroNerd talking about? There is a young man no longer in the building. His name is Dylan Noble from Fresno, California. 19 years of age. Um, if he had lived a few more months, he would have made it to 20. Dylan Noble was a young white male who was unarmed and killed by the police in a rather graphic way. It's on video, or at least partially on video. I'm going to read something from the L.A. Times for further clarification. But it's pretty grisly. Dare I say, it's not that different than any of the men of color in the way that they died. I want to break this stuff down. The captain and myself, we're going to do this. We want people to call in, give us their opinions. They can challenge us. They can chime in, whatever you want to do. But I'm doing my sh- our fair share. We are doing our fair share of deconstruction. You just cannot take things at face value when you're dealing with commerce. At the root of all this, commerce is, at, is involved. I find it interesting that this young man, who really is of the age uh, uh, that, that would be like his like his contemporaries who are black and brown young men, he's 19. What's the difference? Why wasn't this more known? So I'm going to read this. We're going to get into it. And it doesn't seem that different than the victim being black or brown. L.A. Times, July 12th. It's entitled, Mother of Unarmed Teen Killed by Fresno Police Files Claim." says there was no reasonable basis to shoot. The mother of an unarmed 19-year-old who was fatally shot by Fresno police has filed a claim against the city, saying the officers never attempted to to use less than lethal force and allowed him to lie bleeding as they repeatedly shot him. In a claim filed Monday, Veronica Nelson said her son, Dylan Noble, was stopped on June 25th Uh, by officers who already had their guns drawn. He walked away from officers with his hands hands held up and then turned and and walked away. I'm sorry, and then turned and walked toward them. That's when she said an officer who was standing 10 feet away fired two shots in rapid succession. Uh, He collapsed to the ground and rolled onto his back where he lay bleeding. 
She said in her claim, about 30 seconds later, the same officer fired another shot at him. Then about 15 seconds later, a second officer who was armed with a shotgun fired the fourth shot at Noble as he remained on the ground. The officers never had had an objectively reasonable basis to shoot Dylan Noble, the claim said. At no time did they use or attempt to use their canine. At no time did they use or attempt to use a taser. At no time did they use or attempt to use anything but deadly force. On Friday, Fresno Police Chief Jerry Dyer showed police body body camera footage of the incident to Nelson's husband and Dylan Noble's father, Darren Noble, according to Nelson's attorney, Stuart Chandler. Chandler and Darren Noble's attorney also reviewed the footage. I think it was the right thing to do, Chandler said, pointing out that it was the first time police have allowed a family to review footage during an ongoing investigation. Um, I'm going to leave it, at, leave it at, at that. Now, again, no one is disputing that the, dispro- the disproportionate numbers lean toward black and brown men. Even if you get, get into the gender, it's going to be black men, then brown, and again, males between 15 and under 40. That's really the, the crux of the death, deaths and who are dying. I think two and a half times more. But what I find troubling is if you are a journalist, why aren't you just reporting what's actually going on? So this is when you talk about commerce, when you talk about spin. And I can say this anecdotally. And I might have mentioned this on air before. When I worked for a quote-unquote boiler room going back some time, and yes, I'm talking about a, a, a financial boiler room, not, not that different uh, than the movie boiler room with uh, now Batman, <laughs> Ben Affleck. When I, was doing the, when I was doing the boiler room thing as far as investment, I was told uh, at the time by the CEO of the company that how folks become wealthy has a lot to do with whether a person is able to sell a product, whether that product is something physical, metaphysical, or themselves. Like let's say at the time, let's say someone like, um, I don't know, Kobe Bryant or even Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan, despite his athletic prowess, he affects people on an emotional level. Kobe Bryant affects people on an emotional level. When you think, think about people who are extremely wealthy, even Donald Trump. Donald Trump, if you notice, he's able to affect many people on an emotional level. If you're able to translate this emotion or disseminate it to the masses, there's a good chance you might be able to become quite wealthy because people care about you and your product, whether it's your personality, personality you're selling, whatever. They have, a, they have an emotional contact. They have an emotional investment in you. The media has figured out that Rubik's Cube. 
So now you're seeing people being underserved, and you're seeing a spin zone. Because for this young white man to be killed in this way with video footage and for it not to be a story means that we got to run with the black folks. The editors, the corporate people are into creating this racial spin in order to get the, 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 the clicks, the clickbait, to get what's left of print media, to get those papers selling and magazines selling. Because, again, you can angle the story honestly that, yes, more black people are dying or the rate of black blacks dying and browns dying is disproportionate, but that doesn't mean that you just totally throw out the window that, that there's a great deal, of pe- great deal of white people dying this way. When, why aren't we hearing this? Why isn't this Mr. Noble's death more pronounced? Why isn't it in the mix of all this? Well, you know, Black Lives Matter is, is an organization. Black Lives Matter, in my estimation, is, is being led by the media, and by, uh, conventional and social media. So I find that very disturbing. So let's say there's 500 people who died or 400 some odd people that died at the hands of the police. If, let's say, 125 people, 125 of them are white, that's not a story? I mean, listen, I can flip this a different way because I'm, I don't like when you have these SJW-based groups. And listen to me closely. They seem they seem to approach these topics based on disproportionate on a disproportionate level. In other words, I want to make sure I'm, I'm clear with my words. The fact that the police, from what they're saying, Black Lives Matter will tell you, well, we are addressing this because. The deaths are disproportionate. Okay. Um, but the deaths at the hands of other black folks also disproportionate. So why isn't that of issue? If it's, if it's about disproportionality, again, if it's about disproportionality, why aren't these black folks on top of the other thing, because it's disproportionate. Now, white folks being killed is not disproportionate. Conversely, dealing with um, blacks dying at the hands of police compared to internal strife black-on-black violence, if you want to use that term. Some folks don't want to use that term. It's about 5% on the black side. I mean, sorry, 5% or less. It's a very small skew for blacks dying at the hands of police versus blacks dying at the hands of another black person. So 
for some reason, you see how, how you can flip back and forth with what's, what's disproportionate. Disproportionate means that it should be all hands on deck. For some reason, we're not, we're not acting like it's all hands on deck. I'm wondering, again, where is the spin zone on this? Why is there the spin zone? And what is happening where you see Black Lives Matter appearing to literally be, be led by the media on this? I'm not saying black men aren't dying. I'm not saying they're not dying disproportionately when it comes, comes to police. Still a lot of, there's still a lot. If you want to go in, get, go in on a certain angle, there's still a lot of police aggression. The story should be there's a lot of police aggression. Blacks are disproportionate, but look at these numbers in the aggregate. You're not getting that story. That story's boring. It's more interesting if we take this angle. Now, why or how is it that an editor would take an angle and we absorb that angle as if it were truth? Is it the truth? Are we dealing with facts? Or is it angle that we're getting at? We're reacting to the angle on an emotional level. As I said before, the emotionalism transmogrifies into commerce. At the end of the day, talk about Afro nerd getting his pound of flesh. Going back to the captain, what he always says, the bankers get their, t- their pound of flesh, don't they? At one time during the early days of journalism, um, there was no money in it. It was considered really um, a public service. Journalism was considered a public service. But at some point in the last, let's say, 25 to 30 years, it's been more, more integral in turning a profit. I find that troubling. So now the motivations of your Foxes, your Fox Newses, and your CNNs, and your MSNBCs, with the, with the accompanying punditry. That's about getting money. That's about advertising. When you start putting in money into the mix, you get a hell of a lot more dishonesty. I mean, that's what we have to really delve into. Why is that? What is that? I mean, we know. I'm thinking about the early days of William Randolph Hearst. Those days, yes, Hearst of Patty Hearst connections. Long money, William Randolph Hearst. Uh, you should see his his uh, home, his well-known home in California, Hearst Castle, um, San Simeon. But even during his day in the 1910s and 20s and 30s, there, it really was less spin zone back then. wasn't making any money from newspapers. It was something you did because it was a public service. Not today. Not today. And I want black folks to, to, to be a little bit more perceptive about what's really 
going down and how your emotions, and you see we are an emotional bunch. We're not thinking, we're really not thinking logically. A lot of white people are dying at the hands of the least. Not as many as the black and browns, but it's enough, it's enough to the point where you should say, well, what's up with the police aggression? Matter of fact, I'm going to go to a clip, and I want to mention this. I was listening to uh, Glenn Lowry's show. Usually Glenn Lowry does a show on blogging. It's called Blogging Heads. You can definitely Google Blogging Heads, bloggingheads.tv. And I, I really wait uh, with bated breath when he and Dr. John McWhorter get together and analyze things. There's a podcast where those two did a quick 20-minute uh, piece on this. And then after, after that podcast, today I heard another one where Dr. Lowry was speaking to a gentleman. I, I didn't catch his name, but he is a former police officer, and uh, he also is an uh, instructor at John Jay College, which is, which is in New York, uh, a criminal, criminal investigation college or a, a college of criminology, pardon me, criminal justice, pardon me. Um, he had said when he ran through the numbers, like the captain ran through the numbers, he had said, uh, damn, it's enough white people here that why aren't white people concerned? He said it half-jokingly. But he said, when you run through the numbers and get into even regional, California, as far as deaths by the hands of the police, is three times that of the East Coast, New York specifically. Now, Giuliani, uh, former Mayor Giuliani, Many folk do not like his personage. They do not like his personality. And we know he might be FOS on a number of things. But technically, when he says he saved black lives, technically, he might be on to something. Whether his, his, um, his tenure as the mayor of New York, whether it was dr- draconian, we can debate if it was dr- draconian, but we might not be able to debate his numbers. You know, we remember seeing, uh, shout out to Sergio Mims, the, our resident cineast, we remember Fort Apache, the Bronx, and the Warriors, which is going for a reboot. We, we remember how New York used to be in the 70s and 80s, going into, rightfully or wrongfully, and the captain can attest to this, going into the reign of Giuliani with all of his problems and, 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 and very, very speculative, horrific deaths at the hands of police. When you run the numbers, even to this day, it's not that night, it's not 1975. It's not, it's not um, Bernard Getz's New York. No, it's not. It's not. But I find it interesting, when you start breaking down the numbers, California is getting it in by police, more so regionally than even Jersey, Pennsylvania, New York. That's, that's at issue. And even the man who happens to be white, who is a professor at John Jay School of Criminal Justice, even he said, damn, white people should be more upset. He said, a lot. He said rather off, offhandedly, Sure, more black and browns are dying, but there's a lot of white folks dying. 
How come no, no one's saying anything? No one's saying anything because it's not the spin zone. Not the spin zone. Let's go to this quick clip. We have a lot of people on hold. Um, if you'd like to join in on the conversation, if you'd like to dispute what I've said, fine. If you'd like to add something, fine. Uh, always press 1 so that way we will know that you'd like to join in on the, on the uh, discourse. The number remains always the same, 646-915-9620, 646-915-9620. Now, I'm going to go to uh, – I have a lot of clips here. I'm going to play two. One is yours truly. I was on Armstrong Williams' show a few days ago. I, I, I say this all the time. I've got to stop calling these shows. The captain told me, uh, I, I, don't, I don't pay attention to myself that closely, but he says, you, you're speaking at a different frequency. I, I'm, I, I'm thinking I'm speaking standard American English. No one really has an answer for me. No one responds. Uh, many of the folks who happen to be of color, they just, they're just in a, in a way. They, they want to emote. They don't want answers. They don't want to talk about solutions. They want to just, they want to just cry and react and emote. They don't, ha- they don't want answers. They want to just feel. All right. I- I'll-, I'll let you have that. So I'm going to play, play yours truly on um, Armstrong Williams' show, and then I want to I play Dr. Lamont Hill, Mark Lamont Hill, pardon me. Uh, this has, been, has gone viral, at, viral, pardon me, where he had an emotional outburst, several emotional outburst, outbursts on CNN when a former police officer or a Thai police officer starts spouting off statistics, maybe even incorrectly. But the, the fact that we're so emotional, even someone who is a Ph.D. can't keep that deportment, I, I got to look at you with a side eye. You can pretty much tell me whatever you want to tell me. I'm not going to, especially on TV, I'm not going to really cut loose like that. I'm not that emotionally invested like that. So what's up with what's going on? Anyway, hold on. Armstrong Williams, yours truly. Desmond in New York. Hello, Desmond. You're on there. How you doing, Desmond? Uh, hey, Bajoran. How are you guys doing? Great. Listen, um, I have to be honest with you. I, I have a difficult time. I feel like I feel like I'm out of sorts out of sorts with other black people. And let me tell you what I mean. It seems like we're not acting as a, if we're going to be a community. We're not acting like we're really under assault. Because if if you're really under assault, aren't there some things that we would we would be doing as a community uh, aside from what the cops are doing to kind of uh, deal with this? In other words, you have the NOI. You have the black clergy, you have black fraternities and black sororities, you have the black caucus, you have all these well-heeled, esteemed black people, and we cannot come up with a plan to protect our people. What is that saying? In the 1960s and before that, you had A. Philip Randolph, you had Bayard Rustin, um, you, you had all these black people uh uh, all these black people that were actual strategists, army. So, I know in the Jewish community, they have a, they have a police force called the Shamrim, an internal police force that you have to see them before you deal with the actual police. So, you mean to tell me in 2016 
black folks can't construct this kind of thing where we can start to police ourselves because we do have a situation. And I want, to, I want you to answer this, and I want the, the, your caller to answer me this. You mean to tell me we can't actually police ourselves so we can stop having to rely so much on, on white police, police officers uh, to come in to, to control these situations? We're creating situations where, where they have to come and see us. I mean, enough is enough. I'm hearing, uh, I'm seeing newspaper articles, Army, where the children, we're being told children are asking their parents, uh, Mommy, am I next? So, okay, so you're asking this question before the Crips get you, before the Bloods get you. See, some of this stuff, some of what's going on with, with us, we're not being honest about. We, we have rap music called Catch Up, songs like Catch a Body Up. Uh, Oh, Bajon, you know this. Catch a body. Trap queen. Your presidential candidate on Ellen was dancing to trap queen. Is this something that, are we serious? Snoop Dogg, all these guys got together a few days ago with the LAPD to try to calm things down. And I sit there and I'm scratching my head, wait a minute. Snoop Dogg, you had a 30-year run on gangster music and calling us N's and B's and H's. Now, please tell me, please tell me, where, what am I saying that is Mandarin? What am I saying? Because black people, many black people, some of your fellow serious, serious broadcasters, they would have cut me off by now. Some, some, something I'm saying isn't resonating. It's not making people feel comfortable. And I'm not saying cops aren't getting out of pocket. But I, I tell you this, I'm not in a position to test white races. I don't do that. I'm not going to test them because I'm assuming they're not going to give me a fair shot. That's all I'm asking. What am I saying that is Mandarin? I'll leave it at that. Well, thank you for calling. one eight six six eight zero one eight two five five. You heard his plea. Uh, we'll see if we can get some answers. Let's go to. All right, folks, and nobody answered. Okay, that was self-aggrandizement. <laughs> You've heard me go into that rant before. But I, I always ask the question. No one answers it. Now, there were other callers that came in. A few, a few folks hinted back to what I said, but I might as well, be, I might as well have been spoke, speaking into smoke. It is, it's a waste of time. Many folks would prefer to just talk about white folks are after us. Uh, the white man is Galactus. He's coming in to suck, suck up the energies of black communities. We have no control. Uh, we're helpless. The white man's coming. Uh, we're, we're victims forever. We can't do anything. We're just we're, we're infants. We're infants. That's the type of discourse that goes on, and no one wanted to deal with, well, maybe he has a point. Maybe we need to start actually constructing a way if you believe what's being presented, because I even said, again, some of this stuff needs to be actually discussed from a, from a different perspective as to how much of this is media manipulation. If you go to the uh, websites, the websites are – go to Mediaite. Go to Drudge. Go to any of these major websites. The, the entire front page is just race, race stories. It's, it's, it, look, it looks like clickbait to me. Something about that's disturbing where now we're, every little incidental race story is a story 
that we could run with. Now, we can run with that. I want facts. I want actual hard data. All I'm getting is spin zone. And this is not to discount the lives of the folks that, were, that, that have passed. They have my thoughts and my condolences because it, it was a horror show. We, we have to, it was a horror show. So I want folks to understand that clearly I do not like what I saw. But hearing about the young man who happens to be white, young Master Dylan Noble, that also was troubling to me. I want to go to this, this other clip, and then we will expound and expand. This is Dr. Mark Lamont Hill, professor at Morehouse. Um, I leave it up to you. Hold on. Now, why aren't we hearing anything? Great. Cap. Yes, sir. Yeah, can you uh, put in 713.16? No, not even that. Put in um, black stats, S T A T S. Black stats, and maybe you could pull it up. You should see something seven thirteen sixteen. No, that doesn't come up like that. Let's go. Hold on. I don't know why it's not engaging. It just kicked me out. Hold on. <laughs> you go a yeah, little well, too raw. You know, you know how that maybe, works. Maybe. <laughs> because after my diatribe, my computer totally shut yeah. off. <laughs> I have to All right. it. All right. On. You see, now I can't get it. Yeah. Okay. So it, it's just it's not it's not engaging properly for some reason. Anyway, um, if we if All we right. get to it, we get to it. Um, let me see if I can work some magic here. All right. All right. Let me see. Now I'm back. I'm back. Let me see what I can do. It's funny. What'd you say now? Seven dot thirteen dot sixteen. You should see something. I'm having like I'm complete I'm having problems too. All right, I got Angela Rye discusses Dallas police attack. If you see if it was Mark, it should say M M L Hill. ML Hill, yes, I have it. Okay, play that. Play for a few minutes because it's kind of long. You, you know, all right, I'll minutes. play three and a half minutes, all right? All right, all right, that's good. But the question is, how do we deal with it? We have a good group of men to talk to you about this right now. CNN law enforcement analyst and retired NYPD detective Harry Houck, CNN political commentator and professor at Morehouse College, Mark Lamont Hill, and former NYPD chief, of, de- of department, Philip Banks. Chief, let me start with you. You know what the issues are. Uh, we know what the sophisticated problems are with policing different communities. We know how we get to these points of protest. When you think about changes that make a difference in terms of what happens in use of force situations, what comes to the top of your list? Well, the first thing we have to look at, I think, is that uh, these protesters who are protesting, they're not protesting these specific instances. But I believe that the majority of them are protesting what they consider to be the injustices that has taken place in the criminal justice system for a long, long period of time. So some of the changes I think that law enforcement should take a look at. 
out of the 90, in, in my opinion, 99% of the good cops, are they silenced by what I consider to be the negative police culture that prohibits them from coming forth and speaking ahead? What's your answer to that? And I think that it is. I think it's a strong culture, and I think that it takes a lot of good cops who want to speak out about some of the injustices that's actually putting a, a big, big negative blanket over in law enforcement. They want to come out, and they're looking for something that they can come out on. And I think that we should look at that first to see how do we support the from within because the true change is going to come when law enforcement disciplines themselves. Now, these issues that the chief points out, put some meat on the bones of that for us, Mark. Like, what do you think these issues are that need to be addressed? Well, one, I think, again, is, is a, a culture of, of silence, and what we call the blue wall of silence. There has to be a, a space where officers can come out and speak. But I think, first, let's take a quick step back and say, I, I think we have to reject the 99% of cops are good argument, not because they're bad, not because it's not true, but because it, it, it ignores the fact that there's a systemic problem. It's just like we, we don't have a problem saying the school system is broken. We don't have to defend it as quickly and say, hey, but all the teachers are good. But it might be teachers true. don't get attacked and killed in response to what seems as a systemic problem. That's why you err on the side of saying, let's not forget this is a good thing we're doing, I, I not a bad thing. I understand that's a rhetorical move, but I'm saying intellectually we also have to never lose sight of the fact that we're not blaming individual officers. We're talking about a system that's dysfunctional. So how do we switch the system? Part of that is changing the laws. Part of that is creating a mechanism of oversight so that, for example, when a police officer does do something bad, we have a space to see, to not have other police investigate them, but instead we have civilian review boards, we have citizen review boards. These types of things actually give us the kind of transparency that we need. How real is it that if you were on the job and you knew a guy was dirty, you would be worried about coming forward because what if it's not, you know, a clean situation? What if it comes back on you? You know, you need your brothers and sisters uh, within the force to support yourselves. Well, it's an issue, but there's a, there's, when I was in internal affairs, we had this thing that was called the action desk. Right. Believe it or not, I think about over half the calls we got were from other police officers, making allegations on police officers doing bad things on the street. But, but let's see, listen, Chris, this isn't a one-sided argument here, okay? We're talking about three different things here, all about the police department, but facts have got to matter. If we want to make some changes here on what's going on, the police have already recognized the fact that we have some issues that we've got to deal with, all right? Now the black community has got to also understand that they have issues that they have to deal with, all right? This is not a one-way street here. Now, now you got police officers, you got the Ferguson effect that we're dealing with today. All right, it's because police officers are second-guessed right away. We had these, the incident in Louisiana, and in, okay? We don't know what happened there, okay? Especially what happened in Minneapolis. All right, the investigation is still going on, but to come out with the rhetoric that the police officers were racist when there's no evidence to indicate that racism was involved, that has, got, has got to stop, all right? If that doesn't stop, and this thing about the, the disparity of blacks and whites in jails, that's got to stop because I got statistics right here which will prove me right. In New York City alone, okay, blacks are 23%. They make up of the population. Right, of the population. 75% of all shootings, 70% of all robberies, and 60% of all violent crimes. All right? The whites, only 3%. Now, that is why there were more blacks in jail than there are whites. But that's, okay? okay? And now, now me... You get the point. Yeah, we didn't get a chance uh, to hear. Um, yeah, you hear me? Yeah. Yeah. Well, you've um, been going into six minutes. It was already at four and a half. Yeah, that was a part. Well, well... Yeah, it's not a big deal, but if you got if you got a chance to hear uh, Dr. Hill, 
Dr. Hill starts yelling, like when he get when he gets to the point of talking about statistics, whether you don't whether you dislike the statistics or you want to try to confront statistics, I don't understand how this guy ends up like creating a ruckus. Like he was so just shouting and it got emotional. It was incredible. I was like, wow, you're that been out of shape because the man throws these these stats at you. You 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 have to deconstruct his argument. But to get so emotional, and I said, we, we can't have, I mean, listen, you, have some, you have a Ph.D. It's one thing for for uh, Shaquisha on the corner to be emotional. And even and even then, some of the women, we're not seeing that emotional. We see that with, with uh, Young Diamond, who was the, the, the paramour of, of Mr. Castillo, that she maintained some kind of unearthly composure while her, while Mr. Castillo was was bleeding out, uh, she had more composure for that stressor than Mark Lamont Hill had with for a couple of words, or, or or a a a viewpoint that he couldn't handle. We can't even handle a viewpoint without getting upset. So, um, I, I I'm completely out of the boards, by the way, Cap. So I'm I'm working to try to get back on my boards. I'm like out. Um, so I'm, I'm going blind right now. Um, well, let's answer so this other I, question. I, sure. You want. Well, you know, when you when you deal with the media, when you, when you deal with the media, they had said years ago, you know, you know, certain, and people don't like to believe that, but that came out. They said CIA controls a lot of the media. That information came out. You could go check that out. But also, too, you know. With the media, just as you said, it's an agenda situation. We have lost the point where, that's why I use the term media whores. They just put stuff in front of them and just go ahead and say this. We have lost the part where we're just telling it as it is. And some say that never really happened. So there was always some control telling it as it is. Because if you tell it as it is, you begin to follow the paper trail. You see? And it leads a certain way. If you want to tell it, spin it the way this, it causes a lot of misdirection. Nemesis likes to talk about it. Nemesis, you know, is a friend of Afro. Nobody grew up with him. He likes to talk about this, the agitation and everything else. Creates a lot of misdirection also in the country. Now, one of the reasons why black people have a tendency to get very emotional, well, it's obvious, you know, due to the history of blacks here in America. And also, too, it's what I said before. If you have the image... And these things are going around the Internet based on the Copenhagen interpretation. You can look that up. Now, I added something to the Copenhagen interpretation. According to the Copenhagen interpretation, the observer collapses the quantum wave function. I added in also, which is not my work. I got that from another scientist, that you are one with the observer. So that means that image can make you react. It can make a reality. So if you're not showing the same thing with the white people, you know, it's not going to make the white people react that way, you know? So you get all hyped up, and everything goes this way and also creates clicks. You'll make a lot of money. So what Afro-Nerd is saying is definitely correct. Then you could throw in the CIA stuff and everything else. You can't say this, you can't say that. This is why Hillary Clinton had said, we are losing the informational war. How did I tell you that the CIA was on the ground doing terrorist acts. It's because the information was already out there. It's out there. 
you know. And then MSNBC, Fox News, CNN had to confirm it. They didn't have a choice. They didn't want to tell you that, but the information was already out there. It's all over the place. Why did the United States use Vietnam, lose Vietnam, you know? Of course, they lost some tunnel fighting to the Viet Cong, but that wasn't the real reason. It was the informational war. The people back here in America found out how heinous the U.S. military is and what's going on with the war. War is no joke. So there you have to go. You know, so you have to be able to control information in one way or the other. Hence, that's why CIA is very much involved with that, very much. And that information is out there. I don't make that up. You know, so obviously there's an agenda with this whole thing. You know, there's been low-level race war in this country for a very long time. And it was probably a little bit worse before. Some might say a lot worse, you know, going back 1960, 1950. You know, you're dealing with Jim Crow, pig laws, you know, all the sundown laws, all that type of stuff. Probably a lot worse. But we have the technology now, snapshot, you know, stream it live, Facebook streaming, social media, to give you everything all at once. This creates a reality. This creates a reality. And based on this reality that's being created, it's going to get a lot worse. That's just the reality of it. That's just how the science works. You can look up the science. You know, you might not understand it, but at least you know I'm not making it up. So Africa is totally correct. And what are you saying? Totally correct. Totally correct. Back to you, Africa. You know, it's funny you even brought up the Vietnam War, because I mentioned this before, that, again, we're talking about over 50 years ago now, as far as when it actually commenced. Um, even back then, we find out many years later by one of the major leaders, one of the participants in the in the war, one of the our political leaders, Robert Robert McNamara, who was the Secretary of Defense at the time, that the event that actually we that we were told was the catalyst for the war, the Vietnam War, um, with one of our ships being being attacked. Uh, at the Gulf of Tonkin, many years later, McNamara confirmed, well, that didn't happen. It didn't happen. So, I mean, you can look this up. So, I mean, you had this, this, this aggressive, aggressive act at the Gulf of Tonkin that was the reason why we went to war, that we were attacked, and then you find out 40-something years later, never really happened. So they can fake if they can fake a reason to go to war, what do you think this is about? What I just told you, you have white you have white kids that are that are that are being killed, maybe not again, because I know Blackie needs to hear this, not to the degree that, that black and brown folks are dying, but it, it's a it's a, an alarming enough amount of people, irrespective irrespective of race, that it, it should be an issue. Well, first of all, it would, you would probably have a. It would probably be more effective. You have a, a more effective uh, go at it in dealing with the situation if it wasn't positioned the way as Black Lives Matter. Black Lives Matter are now being called a hate group, even though it's it's a it's comprised of of varied races. Uh, last time I checked, there are no black people in the Klan. So I don't know how Black Lives Matter ends up being a hate group. Uh, I think they're misguided, certainly. And I think they're also being led 
by the media, by going from story to story to story, you're going across the, you're going across the country on, on incidents. An incident over here, you know, whether there's an incident in, in, in Minnesota, there's an incident in, in Brooklyn, there's, there's an incident in Baton Rouge. You know, you're going from incident to incident to incident, and you're being led by the media. But is that really, when you go through the hard data, is that really the truth? So I think, we're, I think we're, we, have, we have a problem. Something else I want to mention as well, uh, and again, I'm trying to get my computer uh, up, but there's a young lady, I believe she's the former Miss Alabama. Did you hear about this story, Captain? Um, you have a young woman that uh, is a TV host. Yes, sir. Right. Did you see the exchange between herself and Sean Hannity? Another performance, by the way. So when you start to look at this stuff through with a third eye, you realize it's a performance. It's not real. But we we are reacting emotionally, though. That remains constant. Did you see the? I didn't get a chance to get that audio, but did you see it? Cap? No, I didn't see. It. I just read the article. That's all I did. I didn't see. All right. It. All right. Um, well, actually, you know what? Let's go to a musical break because I, I am flying blind. Uh, maybe you should go into the into the purple room. Um, just put in Prince and play something within a. Oh, you know what? Um, Vicky's waiting. If you see Prince, put Prince Vicky's waiting, or you you should see that. Let's listen to Vicky's waiting for a moment from the Batman soundtrack. It's an excellent groove. Let's uh, go into the purple room for a few moments to our audience. Of course, this is our permanent homage to uh, to me, the baddest man that ever did it. When we get back, I'll go into this story about this young woman. I don't see that. You don't see Vicky? Just put in Vicky. Okay, we do that. Or maybe even waiting. Oh, not that. Just put in put in waiting. Okay, I got it. All right, let's go to that groove.
Mikey's waiting. <laughs> Wrong phaser, Cap. Unless, it, <laughs> unless that's the phaser you wanted. Unless, it's, unless that's the yeah. phaser you wanted. That's a long group. <laughs> he said, oh, yeah, well, listen, again, you know, the term genius is only reserved for a few people. You know, when he mm. says, uh, you know, that, that body, body sense of humor, it is a lyric where he says, uh, um, why is, uh, something about why is, your, why is your organ so small? I didn't know I was playing in a cathedral. <laughs> I mean, come on, come on, man. That's the baddest man that ever did it. That's like a, that's like the rock Kim of of rock music. If you get down to when you start analyzing lyrics, you know, uh, double entendre and all that kind of stuff. Anyway, folks, this is the midweek in review edition of Afro Nerd featuring my partner in white collar crime, Captain Kirk. Um, before the break, I was talking about um, you know essentially trying to make sense of all this. Uh, the last couple of days have been a very uh, trying one. And now there's a young lady, Cap, um, that uh, not hard on the eyes, but I don't think she necessarily looked her best when she was in a car. But again, she was in a car. Um, former uh, Miss Alabama, I believe, is her title. If I'm wrong, my apologies. But uh, she had a, she was able to get that gig and move it into something else. You know, sometimes you're able to kind of um, springboard from those kind of accolades into something else. So she had, she was a TV host, some maybe even a local TV host, and she was she you know she lost that, and uh, because she said you know that this that she felt I mean she had an emotional moment in her car, everyone videotapes everything. Uh, she felt that even though she hated to think this way, she thought that this uh, Micah person um, that he might be a martyr a martyr that he might be a martyr after the deaths of Mr. Sterling and Mr. Castillo. She said, I, I can't, I can't handle black men dying this way publicly. And I, I, something about that makes me feel, even though it's a bad way to feel, makes me feel that he might be a martyr, that this, this is, this, there's a payback. So you can't do that. If you're trying, if you're getting che- if you're getting a check from quote unquote this infamous Galactus white man, if you're getting a check, you can't go there. <laughs> now, if you don't, if you no longer want to get that check, and, and if you are about self determination, aka Blexit strategy, then maybe you can say some off the wall stuff like that. So anyway, she ends up getting on getting on um, Sean Hannity's show, and Sean Hannity does his shtick. Where he's interruptive and he, he he proceeds to grill you, and these folks never understand that if you if you actually go on a show like that, you need to act as wild as he acts. You need to be able to completely deconstruct his argument. Like I don't agree with this young woman, but I understood how she felt. I mean, I could put myself in that mindset, or I can I can understand it. I don't agree with it, but I can understand it. Not that again. Not that I agree with it. Um, I would have. I would have said to Sean. I would have said, well, if we're if we if we think this is if I'm to think this is an act of war, wouldn't that be correct? Let me repeat that. I would. I would. I would have flipped it on his behind. I would have said, 
if you see people dying like this, is it fair to think some people might think this is war? If this is war, couldn't he be a martyr? Wouldn't you? Th- would you agree with Sean? I would have flipped the question back at him. You gotta keep. You gotta keep. You gotta do certain things to keep to, to keep people like that off balance. If you're gonna go on a show like that, you better be prepared. I would have been fully prepared to deal with that guy. If you're allowed, but I would, I would have asked questions of him. He's asking me a question. I would have said, "Well, don't you think when people feel attacked, that that might be considered a might be considered a war move?" I mean, when when Americans are attacked, they they call people martyrs who react. If this is if if this were to be construed as an act of war against black men. Would he not? Would it be fair to think that some might think he's a martyr? Now, when you ask, when you flip that to him, how would he say that? How would he answer that? That's that's what I would do. But I got to say this also. And you know, you know what I'm going to say, Cap. Um, she looked in the, into the camera. And she was talking about she couldn't stand black men dying. You know, black men are dying this way, and I I feel like something has to be done. I said, okay, um, what about Fourth of July weekend in Chicago? What about Fourth of July weekend in in Harlem? You know, multiple black men are dying. How come I don't see you on on your GoPro going off? Cap, you know, that's my own... Hannity-esque, Hannity-esque shtick. But I got to ask you, what, what, what's going on here? What, what am I missing? I, I'm going into, into my Mandarin speak. If the woman is crying before the camera because black men are dying, well, black men have been black men die by the tens, if not hundreds, uh, in, in 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 several weekends, several months within many of our major cities. How come you're not affected that way? What, what, what do you think is going on there, Cap? Well, well, it's real easy. Let's, let's be truthful. You have plenty of black men running around in their gunships, what they call their cars or whips, you know, running around shooting each other. That's definitely true. But as I said before, how are decisions made? It's a limbic system, right? It's wherever you get emotional. Your decisions are done emotionally. That's why she also messed up. Because she <laughs> sees the emotion. You see? And the less emotional, here's the catch 22. The less emotional, the less emotional, the less emotional your decisions are, as per rule, the better they will be. But it's a catch 22 because you do your decisions emotionally. Time and time and time again. So with black people, as I said before, white people do it too. Latin people do it too. Christian versus Muslim, they do it too. All walks of life, they do it too. When black people are killed by people in authority who are generally white, we react more emotional. I'm not saying it's the right thing to do. I'm just giving you the science. We react more emotional that way than when it's our own. White people, I'm not saying it's the right thing to do. From what I've seen, when it's their own, eh, 
When a black person does it, oh, da, 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 we got race where we got this, we got that, 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 that. We've seen this in the Jewish community. When we had the situation with the little boy, you know, the story that we talked about here on this show, when they felt it was outside of the Jewish community, they were up in arms. Once it became one of their own, they went back down. You see? This is what we have happening here. We have the empirical evidence. We see it. And we also have the scientific evidence. This is why it happens. Not saying it's the right thing. I'm not saying that it shouldn't be uniform, of course. You should feel the same way or you should feel even worse when it's black on black. I'm just telling you why it's happening. That's why it happens. Back to you, Afro Nerd. We've got callers, too, sir. Okay, open, and I, I'm still trying to get in. I had to reboot my entire system. So let's go to the calls, and uh, I'll let you do the, the naming because I can't see the numbers. All right, 631, I think I know who this is. State your name and where you're calling from, so I'm about to bring you in. You're here on the Afternoon Radio Show. Let's do it. Good evening. This is Nemesis. What's hey, up, Nemesis. Hey, what's up, man? I call, Nothing much. I, I missed most of the show. I was out and about doing stuff, but I got back to the... Uh, the fort, the fortress of solitude, and I figured, uh, let me jump online before it's over. Uh, yeah, well, I heard, I I heard well, the last I, five minutes or so, maybe ten. Okay, okay. Well, I was going to say quickly, just to kind of get you up to up to uh, speed. You know, Fridays. I mean, you were around for Saturday's show. We, it was more pop culture, so we're kind of addressing some of the, you know, um, the the two deaths in Minnesota and in Baton Rouge, leading into. Uh, we, at least we're being told it led into the deaths of the police officer, police officers in Dallas. And the part that you might have missed was I was going into the raw numbers, and I was going into this young white man, male, 19, who no one is really reporting on with any great deal of intensity. And this young man, Dylan Noble, uh, died in an unarmed way. There's a lawsuit. His mother is crying just like any other mother of color would be crying. But the grisly circumstances of his death are not that dissimilar from a man who might be darker hued. But we don't seem to be invested in that. Um, right. Is and, it, uh, and I, I kind of – go ahead. And just one other thing is that um, I started putting out there that this may be more about being led by the media because uh, someone from John Jay Criminal Justice College – uh, also a former police officer Was on a podcast I listened to And he had said mm-hmm. Sure, black and brown men are dying At a greater rate But there's enough white enough white male Well, white people dying That he said, I wonder why He said, hell There this should this, this be more white people angry And so these, these, these stories are being media manipulated As opposed to dealing with police aggression It's about Police are getting that black and brown people. Go ahead. Shoot. I I completely and utterly agree. It's a spin. This stuff goes on on a daily basis. I was in the trenches. Many things happen that never touch the media because it's not important. It can't be spinned for whatever agenda they, that is required. And, and listen, for, for us, we know what's going on. For a lot of other people... The, the, they believe in the media, and I did for many years until I, I became institutionalized with, you know, in, in a government aspect, and I started to see it from the inside. And I remember when I had about two or three years on the job, I had this epiphany. 
and I, I just kind of blurted it out in front of a couple of coworkers, and, and they didn't know where I was coming from. And I said, I'm not a Boy Scout anymore. And they looked at me, what? And I said, no, disregard. And I walked away. I'm like, wow. You know, I, I, I started to understand the real world. And, again, the media is definitely playing this up. Um, it's, it's all part of uh, a progression for the, who's the next at the helm. And I know, you know, I don't want to start naming uh, parties and politics, but it's um, there's big money backers that that back a particular party, and a lot of this stuff is being organized. Now, I'm not saying the shooters per se are being organized because I'm not going to get into a conspiracy theory, but it happens. They know about these people, they cultivate them, and, and they say, "What are the government's cultivating?" I said, "Don't think simple." They're not going to have uh, FBI agents like Men in Black walking up to a guy's house and saying, listen, we're going to cultivate you for a mass murder. They do it through their network, just like you befriend anybody and, and you, you find people that are weak-minded or can be led into doing certain things. I'm talking about the mass shooting in Texas and, and all these other things that are going on with police interaction with, with uh, black men and white men. And you said it before that when it happens to their own, it's not a big deal, but when it becomes something that can be twisted into a bias incident – it gets all the headlines because that sells uh, news ads. It gets, it gets, you know, ratings. So I don't want to go off too much on a tangent here. You know, if you want to interject, feel free. I don't want to take over the radio. No, well, listen, I'd like you to come, come in, man, because you were, as you said, you were on the job. So you lend a lot of credibility to this, Um, Mm -hmm. you know, Family members and so forth, and colleagues. I mean, you you know, between the both of us, we know a lot of people that yeah. were in law enforcement, and uh, it's not like we're just speaking out of our behinds. Um, mm-hmm. Sure, we know we know that minority folk, black folk, brown people are getting it in, certainly, and in concentrated areas, that is the case. But when you start going through the raw numbers, I was kind of shocked. Now, wait a minute. There's a lot of people cross-racially that are getting it in. And, mm-hmm. it's a, as a matter of fact, it's enough. Even if, even if the, it's, there's a dis, disproportionate amount, even when you factor that in, even when you factor it in, the, the, the gentleman who's a professor who was a former officer like yourself, he teaches and he was a, a former officer. So he's, mm-hmm. he knows this stuff intimately, and he knows how to, he knows how to get that, that, that Excel spreadsheet and work the numbers. And he said, kind of shockingly, he said, damn, there's enough white people here that, he said, the question should be, why aren't white people mad? Yeah. Because the numbers, the numbers are enough on the white side to say, hey, something, this is a little bit crazy. True. You were saying, you were about but, to say something. And, mm-hmm. I, and I can't, yeah, I can't speak for any other race, but I have, friends different races and i have heard them say well they were a low life and they dismissed certain people that got killed you know either you know criminal on criminal or they interacted with the police they said they they were low life so what i'm saying is groups when they talk about their own they dismiss uh normally um people in their own group so to speak uh but again this is just – see, there's so much untapped information out there as far as crimes and things that could be spun into raising people's emotions. Like Captain Kirk said, you get, you get people emotionally invested in things, 
and and uh, it it becomes um, a cauldron of of emotions and and reactions, and that's what they want. Uh, you know, I'm I'm not surprised anything. You know, as far as uh, what's going on, it's 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 a tragedy. It sucks, uh, but people need to be responsible for themselves. We you know we grew up in the old neighborhood. There was certain characters that used to come around. I'm not going to mention his name. I think he's dead now. But when he came around, the whole block would just, you know, go on lockdown because he was he had that criminal element. But but not to go off on a tangent, people like that walk around and they carry themselves a certain way. And and they're even if they're not armed, they're out in the street. And there's a reason why good people don't walk around in the street and and, and do certain things and hang out in certain locations because. It, it, those type of actions lead to criminal behavior. When Giuliani first came into office and he had Bratton involved, the first thing they did to bring crime down was they went after quality of life crimes. And with quality of life crimes, they clamped down on public uh, lewdness, you know, drinking in public, uh, 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 a whole slew of, of, of crimes. And what wound up happening is because they, these people weren't on the set, so to speak, crime numbers dropped. So back to you. Yeah, you know, something else yeah, I mentioned, quote, Giuliani. So. Okay, let's get to the keep nemesis on. Let's go to the to the other caller. I'm I'm riding blind okay. because of my my All right, board. Another follow, so another follow. All right, two two eight. I'm about to bring you in. Your board is lighting up. You're on here with the Afro Nerd Radio Show. State your name and tell us where you're calling from. Two two eight. Hey, what's up, guys? It's Matthew from Skin Deep Theology here on Blog Talk Radio. I was listening to, uh, and me as well, I'm also a former police officer here on the Gulf Coast of Mississippi, and then a federal police officer on the Anti-Terrorism Narcotics Task Force. And I was listening, um, when I'm in the studio preparing for our shows on Monday night, um, I kind of peruse the network and listen for some quality information. And I was listening to the gentleman that was just speaking, and um, I, I, I agree um, to a certain respect, um, somebody else mentioned that, um, I guess what I'm trying to say is the media, I think it was, I think it was you, uh, that was talking about the media. I think they are the root of this problem. Okay. They, yeah. They, you know, that is the root of the problem. I mean, the media sensationalizes these stories and it gets into people's head and they end up you know, doing things that they probably should be doing, but you know, what do? How do we fight back? I mean, give an example: the Castile shooting. All right, the the people on social media and and the media and the, the internet and the news were blasting this cop for firing into a car with a child in. And come to find out, she wasn't even in the car. And mm. they didn't get pulled over for a broken taillight. There were bo- there was a bolo on the vehicle and both subjects are for armed robbery. They had just robbed a convenience store two days prior. And a matter of fact, when she was crying her eyes out on national television in front of the governor's mansion, the the some of the Newport cigarettes that were stolen, she had a pack of them in her hand. And what bothered me the most about that situation was the fact that. The media has taken that and spun it and spun it and spun it so much so, so much so that a politician, the governor of Minnesota, came out and actually said that this shooting was was motivated by racism. 
And now the facts are coming out, and that doesn't appear to be what motivated it. What motivated it, it was you had a gentleman that had said he had a carry concealed permit. He didn't have a carry concealed permit, never had applied for one. The state of Mississippi, uh, Mississippi, the state of Minnesota has no record of him ever applying for one. He had a gun on his thigh, and he was wasn't being and wasn't doing what a police police officer told. And you know, for whoever was law enforcement here on the show, you guys know that. I mean, it's a simple, it's a misdemeanor if you fail to obey a lawful order by a uniformed police officer. I mean, if I tell you to sit down and you don't sit down, I can I can lock you up. So, I mean, where, where do we get to the point where we have a, a, a terrorist organization? Such as this Black Lives Matter, okay? Black Lives Matter, Black Lives do not matter to Black Lives Matter. And I tell you why, before any naysayers. 2012 numbers say that it would take 40 years of blacks killed by police to equal the total number of blacks murdered by other blacks in a single year. And on top of that, 90% of blacks that die of murder die at the hands of other black people. And that's not an opinion. That's not coming from me. That comes from the FBI's homicide report. And 61% of people that are killed by police are white men. I mean, what do we do? Well, first of all, for the sake of our program, we try to deal with absolute facts. Now, some of what you're saying I will go into more deeply because, again, uh, we're victims of media manipulation like like everybody else, and some of what you said, I didn't quite hear that. I heard to the effect that uh, this young man did have a license to carry, and I was mm-hmm. under the impression that there might have been some profiling issues, which I have no problems with people being profiled. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, listen, you know, you are profiled when you go to go before uh, a bank for a loan. You're profiled when you uh, go for a job. So uh, I don't have an issue with profiling as long as it is correct profiling. I don't think that it should be exclusionary racial profiling. It should be race. I absolutely race agree. Because, you, you know, it would be uh, ineffective to just go by, okay, that's a Hispanic man, and then leave it at that. Or that's a black person, leave it at that. There has to be he's black of a certain age, of a certain location, uh, and so forth. Mm-hmm. Maybe five or six or seven or ten different indicators on top, or descriptors on top of his ethnicity, his or her ethnicity. So I'm just going to say I will do more research into Mr. Castillo uh, as far as what you're telling me. Now, on this show, we're not afraid of facts uh, and statistics. Um, but, as I, but as I said, as I said, there's an issue, there is an issue with media manipulation and emotionalism translating into commerce. That's what the right, first you, part of the show was about. Right, and, and I agree with you, but these, I mean, it's not, I'm not trying to spin these numbers. These numbers come directly from the FBI. And now, I don't trust the FBI, but these come, these are statistical, analytical reports. And, and, and the issue is, let me, and I owe you an apology, and, and I'm sorry, let me be a little bit more articulate. Mr. Castile did not have an, a valid gun permit. He did apply for a from a neighboring county, and what I'm and and I misspoke. What I meant to say is the Ramsey County Sheriff had no record of him ever applying. But yes, he did apply and did have one from a neighboring county, but it would it had been expired, 
and I don't remember okay, how but, long. But but even but even beyond that, uh, is there evidence that that those two were actually part of that theft or that burglary, robbery? I should say. Uh, of course, was it? The, here's the evidence that you and I, as former law enforcement, can go by. We have witness testimony. We we or we can use witness testimony. We can use uh, video. And and the only thing that that I'm aware of is there's a closed circuit. Uh, um, CCTV video that most definitely resembles it would it would provide enough probable cause to bring him in for a discussion. Put it that way. Whether he did it or not, nobody's ever going to know because the truth lies in the grave now. So so well, so I don't know whether he did it, but I know that if I was still working, if I was working that case, I had enough probable cause to stop him and to pull him in well, and yeah, to talk well, listen, to him about it. I I have again. I have no problems with someone that if they fit a description, as uncomfortable as it may be, that person has to be checked out. They shouldn't have to die from being checked out if done thoroughly. But uh, I, I must say that the way the media are setting this up, they're setting it up as if even even if what you say is true, and I'm going to confirm that, do my own research, uh, that it looks like it might have been some kind of profiling thing that went awry. I'm not even go- looking at it from that angle. I'm looking at it that, yes, there's a disproportionate amount of crime uh, when you deal with the, the statistics with minority folk. Not disputing that. But I am mm-hmm. saying that when you factor in how these particular racial stories and this whole, this whole uh, maelstrom leading toward a civil war of sorts, that is media, mm-hmm. media manipulation. And when you I factor agree. in... And, and, and I listened to a podcast uh, where where one of the gentlemen was a Ph.D. from John Jay School of, Crimi- of, of Criminal Justice, who was also on the job. That that gentleman had said, wow, when you run the numbers, he said, hell, there's a lot of white folks that, that have been caught up with questionable um, violence with the police enough that he said, why aren't white people asking questions? The reason why they're not is because the media are leading to believe this is an all-or-nothing black thing. If we were going to be honest, the, 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 the spotlight should be on police aggression, and then you go down the numbers. But to make it a black thing solely, there's a, that's a media manipulation thing going on. That is not a black thing. thing. This is a societal thing. Society has lost its moral compass. Morals have now become subjective instead of objective. That's what I believe, anyway. Okay. On that note, I agree with you. Two, 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 eight. Thank you for the call. Thank you. We have more calls, Alfred. Okay, let's get into it. Four oh four, four oh four. I'm about to bring you in on the AfroNerd radio show. State your name and where you're calling from. 404, you're on. Uh, indeed. Uh, how y'all doing, gentlemen? Oh, this is Nas. Of course. Of What's course. up, man? Nas, yes, yeah. sir. Oh, I'm enjoying the conversation, man. I'm enjoying the conversation. Good conversation. Uh, I guess the, the first thing I want to work with is the media uh, part of it. Uh, the media is basically an accelerant on what's already there. They comb social media, Twitter, Facebook, everything else, uh, to see what has traction, and then they shove it right before the audience's eyes. Uh, No care about accuracy, no care about anything. Race to be first. That's the game they're playing. 
but they're not the ones who frame the issue or set the stage. They merely take what's already being given, uh, why, what, what people are talking about, what people are interested in, and they just run the gamut. I, I, would, I would heavily disagree with the idea that they're the ones uh, creating the problems. Like I said, they're just the accelerant on things that are already there. Uh, the white part that you get, man, that, that is a great point that you brought up uh, when you bring up the white part as far as how many bodies they've lost, how many questionable shootings of white people that they have been. And you said, why isn't the white community up and on? And I think it goes to the, the policeman who called, the one before the last policeman who called, when he talked about uh, they immediately get dismissed as low lives. They immediately get dismissed as, uh, you know how they talk about that certain section of the town where they refer to that group of people as trash. And there's also a nationalistic uh, standpoint here to where if you are the wardens of the state and you have this patriotism and nationalism within you, you can't then repudiate uh, the, the force action of the state and still be a good American because you know a cop. And he's a hero and he's a good guy. And you know officers such and such. And they treated you well. So that person over there, they got what they got because of the way that they act and that's what they get. Uh, man, Captain brought up something interesting, kind of, kind of knocked me off course a little bit when he talked about uh, the black and black crime issue and he talked about it. I think, what, I think where, we, where you're going eventually when you get down that road Captain was taking us on, we have to say some black people are worried when they see these police shootings because they can picture that being themselves. When you talk about dangerous neighborhoods and things like that, they don't picture that as themselves because they don't live there. So the concern is not the same because there's a selfish interest uh, involved in, in, in that other uh, form of shooting. So I, I think that's what we're looking at there. So, man, this is an interesting conversation because I'm liking where y'all are taking this because you're at least, at least looking at this, okay, let's put it all up on the board like Minority Report and move it around because that's the only way you can get interested. And the, the most dominant factor in all of this is we have an over-aggressive uh, police force that is not as skilled as ones of the past, not as trained as well as ones of the past, and also we've got ballooning budgets all over this country, and you, you've got a low bar for entry. So if you can get in with a high school or GED, and, you know, they're handing out, you know, these jobs everywhere, they're buying new equipment. Like, look at the budget of Philly, if y'all get a chance. Uh, the 2017 budget for Philly, uh, the police uh, section of that budget is $660 million. Uh, everything else is one-sixth of that, if that. Like, it is amazing to see. So we, when you have a situation like this, we're basically be having – it's like we have 50 states of banana republics, you know what I mean, to where you got, uh, you got people in the middle, which is very small now. The middle class has shrunk so small, and the upper class, and then you've got a whole underclass that you're going to need a heavy hand in order to keep in their place and to kind of calm things down. So we've, we've got a welfare uh, expenditure increasing and a police, uh, police expenditure increasing. But actual job, actual change, eh, that stuff seems to be hard to get to. But, but I like the way the conversation was going. Uh, good job, y'all. As always, Nash, much, appreciate sir. it. Appreciate it. Uh, still running blind, Cap. Any more calls or? No, that's it for the amount of calls. Right. We're about four at four minutes, sir. Four minutes. Yeah, I didn't even get to the, to perhaps one of the most important parts. Uh, I want to mention this quickly. You know, I, I uh, the captain and myself have been speaking about this, and I'm going to put it out there. We'll see if people will take what we're giving them. 
We're always being told we do not have any ideas. Where are the plans? Well, I have a plan, uh, a multi-pronged plan, using the portmanteau or the Franken word, Blexit. Just as many folks, well, <laughs> let me go into this even more quickly, as deep as I can. Even the folks from the European Union, the U.K., after they voted on this referendum, they didn't know what the hell they were voting for because the uh, algorithm showed there were a hell of a lot of people who didn't even know what a Brexit was. So after they voted for Brexit, not breakfast, but Brexit, they probably had their regrets. All right? Uh, I saw uh, uh, Professor Karen Hunter from Sirius XM when someone mentioned maybe there, we should consider a – talking tribally now – Maybe we should consider a Brexit. You know, the Brexit, B-R-E-X-I-T, is British exit, of course, from the European Union. Um, conversely, folks said, well, maybe there should be a black exit. Uh, she had said in a, youth, in, a, um, in a Twitter exchange, where would we go? So I don't know if she meant that in jest. I don't know if she was really being uh, just inquiring, but... Folks from, from Britain didn't go anywhere. They didn't physically go anywhere. They just decided to keep that money in-house and decided to kind of embrace a certain type of nationalism. They were tired of, tired of paying fees to remain in the European Union. I mean, we know there's a number of reasons, some fair, some unfair, some racist, perhaps some, some may not be racist. Um, Brexit, a Brexit would mean... If we are under assault, like we're being told we're under assault, and I know we got the, t the, the clock is ticking, we're developing a website that's going to be under the, the Afro-Nerd umbrella as well as a, a, another show, maybe twice a month, called Blexit Strategy. The website's going to talk about some of the uh, banks that we should be investing in, banks, investment firms that are of color, that you can put some of this money in. Now, I know Killer Mike, the rap artist, is already, already talking about, at a minimum, $100 uh, to, to open up accounts with black banks, maybe a million people, to display power. I'm thinking we can go much further than that. If, if you are really under assault, let's start now to at least get the bare bones of a black Wall Street. Let's get that back up again. Uh, Dr. Boyce Watkins is talking about re revisiting and revitalizing the notion of a black Wall Street. Um, I hope we can get this done. I mean, there's a number of things. Divest for minstrels. That's number one. You cannot listen to the Chris Browns. I want these Negroes ostracized. Stop <laughs> listening to them. Stop. Seriously, that's my own personal, you know. But let's stop doing that. They add nothing to the conversation. You're giving them money. Let's let's lock the door on those Negroes right away. Post hate. Thirty seconds. So you, we'll get into it at a later date. But BlexitStrategy.com is coming. Blexit um, stage. Blexit stay exit stage right. But BlexitStrategy.com. That's the that's the main one. We'll talk about it. Saturday, six p.m. The Grindhouse. Uh, let's go to any groove, groove of your choice, Captain. We, we'll All see right, our we're going to go out with Saturday. Love or Money by Prince. Love or Money by Prince. Sounds good. Love or 
yeah. 